This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. It's Voice of Change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to the show today. You're on K-Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. But you already knew that because you've been here the whole day. Well, I hope that you have been. But if you're just tuning in, if you're sitting in, you know, that car driving home, get home safely. And if you're at home chilling out, well, then this is the show that you want to be tuned into. Because today I'm super, super excited because I'm going to be joined by Catherine Burbel Singh. And she is the headmistress and co-founder of the Michaela Community School, chair of the Social Mobility Commission. She's also known as, and listen to this, Britain's strictest headmistress following the ITV documentary about Michaela. And Michaela, the school itself draws up to a thousand visitors a year from across the world. So if you find yourself in London, go on over and visit the school. It is absolutely phenomenal what and how the school has been running. In 2022, just last year, Michaela's Progress 8 score placed the school top in the country. Incredible, right? And Ofsted has graded the school as outstanding in every category. How's this? Catherine read philosophy and modern languages at the University of Oxford. She's also taught in inner London. She's made very many numerous appearances on television, radio, podcasts. She's written for several publications. And Catherine has also written two books and edited another two, the last of which was called The Power of Culture about Michaela School. And whether you agree with Catherine or not, She's definitely going to make you think. She's also been appointed as the Honorary Fellow of New College Oxford in 2021. And, which this was incredible, but she got the commander of the Order of the British Empire, CBE, in 2020. You can follow her on Twitter after our conversation. Don't go over there now because you want to stay at this conversation that we're going to be having. But you can find her on Twitter at Miss Snuffy. And that's what it's, her Twitter handle is. But Catherine, of course, is headmistress of Michaela. And Michaela... Kayla is an incredible school, a community school, a free school, and it, you know, is really about discipline and a specific way of life. And uh, the fact that it is just been reaching such high levels shows at what can happen if we go back to what we would consider, and I'm going to say this in inverted commas, old school, excuse the pun, but values and the way that life was, you know, oftentimes I hear people say, oh, you know, 50 years ago or 40 years ago, it was like this. Well, we had values and ways of living and being that were really, really powerful. And that's what we're going to be touching on today as well. Catherine is going to be sharing with us not only about Michaela, but also what you as a parent can be thinking about and doing to raise your child effectively in this modern age bombarded by the cultures of the day, bombarded by, you know, a culture of smartphones and information and a new way of being and living. And so it's really going to be an informative time and a challenging time maybe, or a time where you're going to go actually, this is the kind of conversation I've been waiting for because this is really how I want to parent my child. So don't go anywhere because Catherine is with me after this. Your daily companion, Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. 
I am just really, really excited to be with Catherine today. And uh, as I introduced her to you earlier on, I also didn't tell you that she is considered Britain's strictest headmistress. <laughs> and now, Catherine, that is a lovely way, I think, to just really, you know, bring you in onto center stage on the show today. And before we get into why you actually have this title, how are you doing today? How is things going? I know you've been incredibly busy doing a lot of things. So I hope that you are doing really well. And thank you for being here on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Um, I've never been on South African radio before, so it's very exciting. Mm, that's really cool. Well, welcome. This is going to be a great space. And uh, why, you know what? That term being Britain's strictest headmistress, is it one that you enjoy having? How did this come about? I mean, Britain is quite a, you know, it's a large country. There's a lot of people in it. Uh, South Africans have a special affinity with the UK. There could even be people listening in from the UK today. But uh, how did you get this sort of title? And how did this come about? Do you find it's actually a compliment? Well, I don't mind it. I I think people often think that being strict means you must be mean. But I would say that actually... It's all about love. Um, Frankly, if you love them enough, you will love them enough to hold your standards high for them. If, on the other hand, you love yourself more, then you will lower your standards because you want to feel like you're being nice and you want to feel as if you're being compassionate. You're not actually thinking about what's right for the child in that moment. You're thinking Mm -hmm. about what's right for yourself. And so I'd actually say that not being strict is actually pretty selfish. Um, Being strict is hard. So with my teachers... We have to teach them how to hold the standards high and how to insist on the children meeting those standards. Hmm. And the thing is, if you hold your standards really high, you'd be amazed at how much children can work hard to meet those standards. Uh, hmm. Children always want the strictest teacher. Children always want the teacher who loves them enough to hold their standards high for them. Um, hmm. <clears throat> but we are just, I think, a little bit too consumed with ourselves and we forget our role and our duty which is to uh, look after these children and um, show them the way. That it requires you understanding that you are an authority as the adult and that the child is the child. And too often in modern times, friend, teachers want to be friends with, the ch- with their kids. Uh, mm. Parents want to be friends with their kids. And that's wrong. Um, mm. We're not there to be their friends. We're there to be their guardians and to look after them and to lead them um, and to be the authority in the classroom or if you're the parent at home. Hmm. Hmm. I love this. You know, often when we're in a shopping mall or in a store, my husband will turn to me and he'll say, oh, uh, that parent's having another business meeting. And uh, what he's actually saying is that, you know, the parent is having a business meeting with their very small child on what would you like to eat today? What would you like to wear? What would you like to buy? What would you like to? It frustrates my husband to no end, uh, bringing him into this conversation. He's like, oh, they're having a business meeting. Uh, But he's not meaning it in a good way because this is this is how we are now parenting. Uh, we didn't grow up like that. I mean, neither That's myself, right. you know, I mean, we didn't, you, this is your clothes. You wear them. Yes, uh, you, exactly. I didn't it's get to choose. It's insane. That I remember once just standing in the supermarket and watching this man with his child. And they were standing in front of the freezer, one of these upright freezers. Yeah. And he was saying, do you want that one or do you want this one? And she was looking back and forth. And I was thinking, just take the thing. 
put it in the cock. What's wrong with you? Why are you asking a four-year-old what she wants? It's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should be given food. That's what they, they're given food and they eat it and they given clothes and they wear them. Mm-hmm. And they should be grateful for the fact that their parents have worked hard to be able to afford those clothes. It's mm-hmm. utterly mad, the idea of asking a child, what would you prefer? What? I mean, it's mm-hmm. mad. Here, mm-hmm. Everybody eats the same lunch. There's no choice. If we mm-hmm. go on a school trip, we normally provide two types of sandwiches, either tuna or cheese. They have that choice. That's it. And they have to pick one and they have to have made their decision before they arrive at the table. Because if they hesitate for a second, we just put one in their hand and they have to keep moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's why people say I'm strict, you see. But it's not about yeah. being strict. It's about understanding that children are children and adults are adults. And if we're spending all our time, you know, nowadays, even with little children, so toddlers, they, they say that toddlers put a, uh, put an array of, of squashed food in front of them and, you know, pureed food and yeah. allow the child to decide what they would like to eat. Have we all lost our minds? You yeah. have to put the food in child's child <laughs> mouth. It's the same thing with breastfeeding. They say, let the child find the breast. No, you need to grab the child's head and latch it onto the breast. That's what needs mm. to happen. I just... Uh, we've all lost mm. our minds. I, I don't understand it. Uh, 50 years ago, everyone would have understood what I'm saying. Nowadays, I'm mm. apparently the strictest mistress in Britain. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it so crazy? What You know what? What has created this change? If we're honest, what has created this idea that we need to have these discussions, that we need to give children all these choices? We're not actually instilling correct boundaries in one way, which is a, a completely different conversation. But what is what is creating this change? Is it a kind of like an inverted commas woke mindset that we kind of trying to now adopt to go actually, you know, see it as see our children as little people that just need this nurturing? What has created this change? Like you said, 50, 60 years ago, it was a different way of parenting. What yeah. sort of crisis are we actually facing? And what we're actually doing is creating a huge problem for the children that we are raising or teaching. Why are we seeing this? Is this, uh, you know, something that's being taught to us as adults that we need to be this way? What is going on in our societies? And even here in South Africa, I mean, you're in obviously the UK, which is pretty far away, but we've seen the very same trends here in South Africa among, yeah. you know, people. So it's something that's happening globally. Yes, it is. And it's because we've lost the concept of adult authority. Um, We don't really know in what direction we're meant to be going. And we are scared of our own children. And the only way you can then deal with uh, the situation when a child doesn't want to do what you want them to do is you're trying to negotiate. It's like your husband saying about um, having a business meeting. You know, you're, you're having to negotiate and you're trying to cajole and you're trying to convince and so on as opposed to saying no I'm in charge you need to do what I've asked you to do Mm -hmm. um it's uh we have lost all sense of what our duties are as adults and what their role is as children it should always be the case children push we push back that's how that's how it's always been but Mm -hmm. over the years we're made to feel like we're bad as adults so they call me the strictest headmistress because they want to make me feel bad They want to say you're actually mean and horrible to children. And I would Mm. turn around and say, no, I'm not the one that's mean. You're the one that's mean. You're the one whose children end up leaving school at the age of 18, functionally illiterate and functionally innumerate. I can tell Mm. you who's mean, the people who allow that to happen, because you have to spend your whole life being functionally illiterate 
then yeah. um, hmm. you don't live a very good life. But kids under my care, that doesn't happen, right? So yeah. Yeah, I'll give a detention for when they don't have their homework done. And that means they get their homework done. And guess what? Nobody leaves my school illiterate or enumerate. Hmm. Um, so it, it's important to, to care about these things. But we tend to care about ourselves. So we're very much in this culture nowadays of me, me, me. And less about what can I, I have to demonstrate self-sacrifice in order to put the, the, the community ahead of myself, other people ahead of myself. So our children at school are very much taught, if you misbehave, you aren't just letting yourself down, you're letting your parents down, you're letting the, your classmates down, you're letting your teacher down. And the, mm -hmm. the, 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 this is always being narrated in this fashion. Uh, so that the children understand that every action they have has impact on other people. Um, mm. And we've lost that sense of community. You know, to a certain extent, it's because you've got, you know, bigger cities when you are in a small village, you know, and, and there's uh, everybody knows each other and there's one village school. It's obviously a very different thing. And, yeah. and the, the headmistress of the school um, herself grew up with the, you know, the, the last headmistress at the same school, you know, like it, that's a different thing. Obviously, it, things are much more global now. People move mm -hmm. from country to country. There are massive cities. People get lost amongst all of that. But mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, I suppose it's just the culture. Our, our culture has changed. You look at mm -hmm. uh, music videos, you look at uh, films that come out these days. Um, it, those the kinds of things that take place in those videos and films and so on 50 years ago would have been scandalous yeah. um when i say take place the kind of behavior you see the 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 the, the music the, the the wording in some of the music that they sing mm. uh 50 years ago would have been a total scandal so um i think we've just lost our way a bit as a society and uh that's a real shame because of course the people who suffer the most from that are the children yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, what you were talking about there, music, movies, we have now social media, you know, TikTok, what's happening on there yeah, directly. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok is so, and the thing yeah. is, the children will be on TikTok for five, six hours a day, easily. Like mm. a, That's an average child. So what I'm always saying, and I say this to your listeners, I say it to everyone, do not give your child a smartphone until they're 16. And I know everybody wants to yeah. give their child a smartphone because it makes for the ideal babysitter. And when they're two mm -hmm. and three and you just want to be able to have lunch with your friend, give them a phone and you can get on with it. Yeah. Your child is never going to love reading if that's the case, unless your child is exceptional. Very hard for a book, which is black and white and flat, to, complete, to compete with a smartphone that has explosions on it and all kinds of colors and pop-up windows and all kinds of things. Yeah. And then eventually they will get onto uh, social media where, I mean, you cannot compete with social media because... Yeah. They're getting into arguments on there, all kinds of every altercation that we've ever had at school has always started on social media. So wow. we strongly encourage families not to give them phones. And of course, the kids who don't have phones, guess what? They never get into arguments. They never get into there are no issues with them. And they perform very highly at school. So mm -hmm. my number one piece of advice to everyone is do not give your child a smartphone. They will meet undesirable people, members of gangs, um, yeah. pedophiles. Pedophile knows where your child lives, knows who their best friends are, knows their route to school, knows which school they go to. I mean, you wouldn't normally give a pedophile all that information about yourself. Well, that's what you're doing when you give your child a smartphone. 
Yeah, I love that advice. And, you know, when we talk about discipline, that is a big word. It, you know, discipline is something that, I, I mean, when I was growing up, my parents were big on discipline. And I can honestly say, looking back in my childhood, and I've thought of this many times, my parents had very clear guidelines and uh, it kept me out of a lot of trouble. Whereas I had a lot of friends that parents were like, you know, what you would consider cool parents because they could come home anytime they want when they went it out, out. And when they were out and about, it was just like, oh, you know, my parents don't mind where I'm at. Whereas my parents were like, this is, if you tell me you're going to be there, that's where you're going to be. And I'm going to be fetching you at this time. If you're not waiting there, you're going to be in trouble. So it kind of was like, I would be waiting there. I knew. And those guidelines and the discipline made me feel safe. It never made me feel a sense of like, nobody cares about me or if I got into trouble here and because I'm out or someone tried to do something harmful to me, there was no one that was going to come looking for me or be taking care of me. It actually made me feel safe. Yes, sure. At the time when you're 16, you know, it kind of sucks because you're, you know, your, your friends just can do what they want and you can't. But now looking back at it, that sense of discipline and the guidelines and the boundaries that my parents instilled in our lives kept myself and my brother out of a lot of trouble. And, and this is the thing. Let's talk about discipline. You know, this is a word that almost is quite scary when it comes to the school system. We have a lot of private schools in South Africa and there's a lot of different kind of thoughts that go behind it and going, we're just not going to discipline the child. You know, they just have to think about what they're doing, et cetera. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's really crazy when it comes to discipline. What are the key things that yeah. we should be thinking about, especially as parents, when we decide to put our children into schools and I mean, private schools, that's also a discussion. There are thinking ways of thinking. And I know that you've, you've probably been exposed to this a lot. It's happening here in South Africa where there's no discipline. Let's just put it down to that. It's just more about the child has to sit and they've got to think about what they've done. And then once they've done that, it's kind of like we move on. And it seems like discipline is, is lacking a little bit. Yes, well, you know, it's fascinating because I spent a summer in South Africa in Umtata in the Eastern Cape mm, um, yeah. and worked in, in a school there and and it was 2003. And mm -hmm. I have to say the discipline was far better there than it was in Britain. Uh, having oh, said good. that, <laughs> well, having said that, the way in which they got discipline, I suppose, was by whacking the children. Oh, okay. And, uh, so what I would say to audiences is that you don't have to uh, use physical uh, force with children in order to get them to behave. Mm. What you ought to do is have a system of merits, demerits, points, points taken away, uh, praise, uh, uh, punishment. You know, that that's mm. what you're doing. And children will react very well to that as long as you are consistent and you are not um, irrational in the way that you uh, administer the praise or the punishment. So I think parents can often lose their way because they get angry in the moment. Then they start screaming yeah. and shouting. And ah! Look, you, you never want to shout when you're actually angry. The yeah. only time you should ever shout is if you're pretending to shout in order to show the child that you mean business. You're, mm -hmm. But you're pretending. Okay? Mm -hmm. If you're shouting because you're angry, then you've lost control and your child isn't going to take any notice. You've got to remember always what is your aim when you are disciplining the child. So it might be that you say, right, look, I'm giving you a choice. You've got to remember your child has agency. So I'm giving you a choice right now. You can do X, which I would prefer that you did, and Y will happen. Or you can do B and A will happen. I don't want you to do B. 
That's why I'm going to punish you with the consequence of A if B happens. And then you allow them to make their choice. And when you tell them this, you've got to say it very clearly, make sure they know exactly what the consequences are for either choice, mm -hmm. and then let them make their choice. And then you must absolutely follow through with the consequence because you cannot um, threaten with something and then not do it. But yeah. And whatever it is, you're going to take away their phone for an hour. You're going to, I mean, hopefully they don't have a phone. So then mm -hmm. you're going to take away their right to watch a particular TV program or time that they're going to spend with their friend or a particular toy that they like. If it's a young toddler, for instance, whatever you just, or they have to sit on the naughty step for three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be three minutes is enough with a three-year-old, you know, um, it, you've got to be very clear. And then the next time you come, and they say, oh, I'm going to do this. You say, okay, hang on. Here are your options. You can do X. You can do A. Which one is it going to be? A will be punished. X will be rewarded. Do you remember last time when this happened? The child says, mm. yes. Do you remember how I had to follow through with the punishment? I don't want to have to do that this time. So let I want you to make me proud this time. I want you to make me so happy by doing X. And then you show them, smile on your face. I'm going to be so happy if you do this. And then they do it for you. And you say, what? I'm so happy hmm. and the child is then thrilled because the child wants to get it right but you have to make it really easy for them to get it right so at school for instance we have what's called a behavior boot camp for seven days when the children arrive in in year seven so they're about 11 years old and uh they do just they just do boot camp for seven days they don't learn any math or any english or anything like that hmm. we're teaching them how to behave in the michaela way and once they've been taught how to behave in the Michaela way, then we know that they are choosing not to do the right thing when they do the wrong thing. And therefore, we can follow through with a punishment. It's the same thing at home. You need to be really clear. These are my rules. This is what I'm expecting you to do. And this is what will happen. Sorry, those are our pips here at school for changeover of lesson. <laughs> and this is what will happen if you do the wrong thing. And always follow through. You know, mm. you might even at, at home, you could have a point system. You have a little paper on the wall and you give them a little get buy some gold stars or a stamper and just mm. put the stars up there every time they get something right. You can put a red dot for every time they get something wrong. And if they know they get 10 red dots, right, well, then this is going to happen. If they get 10 stars, then this is going to happen. You know, they, they need to participate in their own discipline, right? And, mm. and in making choices. Um, but you cannot fly off the handle and you cannot just do things suddenly without without any warning you know sometimes you see yeah. mums in a in a in a and i get it it's very hard being a parent so i'm not blaming them but they're in the yeah. supermarket and then they just grab the child and say come here you <laughs> and i get it i do understand it but that's one of those times where you look back and you go oh my goodness i shouldn't have done that that was wrong and the mm. reason it was wrong is that it won't work with the child okay you're not going to get what you want what you want is for the child to listen to you and to do what you want them to do yeah and the only way you're going to get that is with clarity of explanation and then uh, clarity of outcome, making sure that you follow through and consistency of outcome, always following through with either praise or punishment for whatever it is they've chosen to do. Hmm. I love this. This is such good advice. And I kind of want the listeners to kind of take it in when Catherine, when you were talking about, you know, losing your, your cool, I was by the store a few days ago and there was you're talking about whacking children here in South Africa and in some certain communities and, and certain cultures do that. And uh, I saw this lady literally take her shoe off in the store and throw it at her child. <laughs> and right, like that, 
you've lost it then. Like you've you totally lost it. So yeah. look, children are trying to get a rise out of you. That's what that's yeah. their job. They, yeah. Their job is to push back against you. That's what they do. Mm. So if you're taking your shoe off and throwing it across the shop, all the child is yeah. thinking is, I've got you, I've got you. Ha, 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 ha. That's what's going on. That is, yeah. you, you've lost all control. That's crazy, right? You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, what you need to do, you can sometimes you can lower your voice. You show disappointed, so disappointment. So you say, I am so disappointed. I mean, mm. just yesterday we had this conversation and I, I told you that I wanted you to do X. And now here you are once again doing Y. What does that make me think? How do you imagine I feel right now with the way that you have behaved? Mm. I am your mother and look at what you are doing. Now that is the kind of thing, you know, where you, 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 you get them to understand, you get them to speak back. What have you done wrong? Tell me what you've done wrong. Tell yeah. me what you're going to do differently next time. Um, tell me, you know, people must be looking at, looking at us right now and thinking that you, you deliberately want to hurt me. Is that what you're trying to do? Are you trying to make me look like an idiot in front of these people? And the child will say, no, mommy, I'm not doing that. Right. Well, then what do you need to do right now to fix this situation kind mm. of thing? Mm. I suppose just throwing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not get yeah, I mean, it makes it makes for a, a, like a f- funny watching, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> me that's having fun here because I'm watching this unfold. But it's not working in the bigger scheme no. of things. It's really not. It's more like I'm going to take out my phone and film, you know, <laughs> because this is hilarious. But it's not actually it's it's. It's uh, it it was it was really a bizarre thing that but that but it was just kind of I it was it. I, I also yeah that's why she's done it but the thing is is that ultimately you need the child to respect you what I always yeah. say to families is look one day he's going to be bigger than you so mm. you can't just do it out of size at the moment I'm bigger than you so I'm going to force you to do this when they're five yeah. years old you can do that. But it's not you're, you're storing trouble for yourself for 10 years down the road when they're bigger than you because they're not going to listen to you anymore because they are now bigger than you. You mm-hmm. have got them, got to get them to do what you ask them to do, not because you're bigger than them, but because they respect you and admire you and they crave your respect and your admiration for them. That's mm-hmm. what you're aiming for. Right. Mm-hmm. Any leader is in the same position. Leader, or CEO of some firm and he's running the firm. He wants his people to respect him and to admire him, not mm-hmm. to just do what the, he says because he's going to fire them. If not, that that shouldn't not for the majority of your employees. Yeah. You want your employees to be happy and to like you and to think, yeah, I really want. I should have said like actually to respect you and admire you. You're not wanting to be liked. You're wanting yeah. to be admired and respected. And the child should crave that from you. They mm. want. See, if they don't respect you, then they're never going to do what you say. And I can tell you, they're not yeah. going to respect you if you're showing thro- throwing shoes. Like, no. The child instinctively yeah. knows you're out of control. So mm. they're going to respect you when they feel that you are consistent with them, when you are predictable with them, when you aren't kind of irrational. You need to be rational with them when they can see why the, you are doing what you're doing. So you've got yeah. to constantly narrate, I'm on your side. I want you to do this because it's going to make you into a better person. I want you to eat your broccoli because it's going to make you into somebody who eats broccoli when you're older. And while you don't appreciate this right now, you will appreciate it later. Mm. I'm your mother. 
I care about you. I'm on your side. That that needs, and the same thing with teaching. You know, you're saying the yeah. same thing. I'm a teacher, I'm on your side. Yeah. Um, and so the child, you're building a relationship, which is why you need praise and punishment. If you only ever punish them, then it won't work. Mm-hmm. You have got to praise them. And in fact, your praise should outnumber your punishments five to one, at least. So mm. you catch something good. That's really fantastic. Brilliant stuff. Oh, my goodness. I am so impressed. Wow. Yeah. That's how you need to be responding. And then they smile. And then you pat them on the head. and You say, oh, that's my boy. Right. And then mm. they go, oh, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. And then the next five minutes later, when they do something wrong, uh, 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 and then they go, oh, yeah, you're right. No, no, no. What I want is praise. I don't want punishment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that. You know what? I I think there's just so much that we can draw from. We're going to go to a really quick music break, but I know that you that are listening to us, you don't want to go anywhere because Catherine is still going to be with me after this. And we're still going to be talking about this topic, this conversation. It's so important. I love this. So don't go anywhere. See you after the song. Your daily companion, Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. If you just joined me here on Voice of Change today, I hope that that is not the case because we've been having such an exciting, informative, I think sometimes even a challenging conversation with Catherine, who is joining me all the way from the UK, Britain's strictest headmistress, but not in the way that you think of it. And, you know, Catherine, I wanted to actually ask you about the Michaela School because it's incredible. I mean, it can Michaela Community School is just incredible, a free school, which you established in London. Tell us a bit about this. I mean, almost 10 years ago, this was established and you've been talking a lot about the school and the Michaela Way as well. And so maybe some of the listeners are sitting and thinking, okay, what is the Michaela Way? And, you know, what can we learn even out here in South Africa from developing a beautiful community school that is someplace where there is a specific way where children Children can learn, can grow. And I wanted to say one of the things you touched on as well, we have now just seen the statistics in South Africa, and it says that children in our you know, public school systems, they did a whole bunch of research and surveys where they found that between the ages already of 10 and 12 years old, 80% of our school children cannot read for understanding. Um, as uh, between the ages of 10, 11, and 12. So obviously, I mean, it's not going to get better after that. But as young as 10, children are reading, but not for understanding. There's no understanding of what they're reading. They're not coping. And suddenly we have, you know, the government and private industries trying to come on board going, how do we change this? Do we give children new books? Do we give them more books? What, Whatever. It's become a crisis in the public schools here in South Africa. Children just they they just have no understanding of what they're reading. They are really struggling. Now, tell us a bit about the Michaela way, because you were also talking about earlier on, you know, you want children to be able to be literate, whether it's numerically, whether it's reading. Here in South Africa, we're sitting with this problem of suddenly realizing that children in our primary school levels, it's not even at high school levels, actually don't know what they're reading. Do you do, do, you do phonics in South Africa? Yeah, do we do. Phonics? Yeah. And do you teach phonics systematically across all of your primary schools? As far as I know, that's what happens. Okay. So then it may be because there, there's two parts to reading. And mm-hmm. it's interesting you said they don't understand. So there's decoding, which requires phonics. 
So you need phonics means just the sounds of the words. So ah, uh, but the and so on, yeah. right? And of the, of the letters and of this of the sounds within each word. I should have said sorry. And so you need to know the sounds and you need mm-hmm. to be able to decode the word and read the sounds in each word, essentially. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't bring you understanding. What brings you understanding, of course, is uh, general knowledge, cultural knowledge. And, and all, the, the only way you can access that is by reading. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much uh, families are reading to their children mm-hmm. uh, from Look, ideally, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but you really should be reading to your children from the day that they're born. And I know people think, yeah. what? Why would I be reading to a baby? I'm telling you, you should be reading to a baby. Mm. Now, you can read for 10 minutes. I'm not talking about reading for hours. Read for 10 minutes um, and keep on reading. And then by the time that they are 18 months or so, they should be helping you to turn the pages. You're pointing to the pictures. You're talking about what's in the book. You're not just reading the words. You're talking about what's in the book. You can pull your put your finger underneath each word as you are reading it so they mm-hmm. can associate the word with the written word. So the spoken word matches with the written word on the page. And you should have loads of picture books that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how well equipped you are with libraries and that kind yeah. of thing to be able to get access to these sorts of books so that children can read and become familiar with p- various poems. So uh Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall Humpty Dumpty had a big fall Mm. and then you know the child should be able to say Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and when you're saying it if the child can say it along with you that's that's a goal like you you've achieved something and then the two of you can read along while you're putting your finger under the words and they are reading with you and that both of you are reciting it now to a certain extent you might think oh but the child's just memorized it yeah that's true but this is Mm -hmm. great (laughs) they're then able to associate those spoken words with the written word um, now, by the time the child is four, you should be doing this for half an hour a day with your child. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and they can read, they ca- they could learn at that age, about five is when you would go to school. And then they say that's when you're being taught how to read, but you could read before that if you were doing it at home. And there mm-hmm. are lots of children who start school already being able to read because their parents have taught them at home. So, um, you, you, now, look, we are a secondary school in, in London. So, mm-hmm. Michaela, we don't start till 11 years old. But even at 11, we're having to catch some children up with phonics and reading. And we do have a reading club that happens after school for children who haven't done much reading at primary school. Uh, so we're, uh, uh, you know, we're kind of doing damage control at this point. Yeah. But for your families with younger children, read, 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 and do not give them a phone. A phone yeah. prevents children from learning how to read. Um, And if you see that things have got worse in South Africa more recently, I'm willing to bet that that will be because of phone access, because Mm -hmm. of screen. If you're looking at screens all the time, a book cannot compete with that. So you need to be turning pages, pointing to the pictures, talking about the pictures, enjoying the book. Look, a book should be the only access your child has to entertainment. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let me say that again. The only access that they should have to entertainment should be through books. If they can get entertainment through other means, TV, screens, smartphones, computers, etc., video games, they are never going to appreciate books. Now, once they're seven years old, eight years old, if at that point you want to introduce a little bit more of TV and that sort of thing, fine. Certainly for the first five years of life, keep them away from screens altogether. Now, look, yeah. I sound extreme. I know I sound extreme, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, if you do what I say, it'll work. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, my parents, we had the World Book Encyclopedia, which was super fascinating growing up. You know, obviously, yeah. I, I was growing yeah. up in the 80s. <laughs> so yeah. we had the World Book Encyclopedia. And just the feel of the pages, to me, was like magic. So, yeah. you, you know, but just the course, feel. It was you beautiful. Didn't have the I didn't uh, have the yeah. screen. You know? Exactly. So that's why you thought this was like magic because it was the only option you had. Yeah. Uh, that's what parents need to try and create for their children now. And um, look, we're in a, we're in new times. All of this technology mm-hmm. is brand new to us. So in 50, 60 years, I think people will look back at this time and say, oh, my goodness. Remember that children, they're not allowed to smoke. They're not allowed to drink alcohol or have sex or drive a car or uh, get married. Any number of different things they can't do. Yet we yeah. give them smartphones. I'm telling you, in 50 years, there will be an age limit on these things, and they will not allow children to have these smartphones because they'll see how destructive they are to, look, it's not just the kinds of people that they meet and the, the fact that they never complete their homework. It's mm. also the fact that their mental health suffers. Mm. Uh, there's Jonathan Haidt, an American who writes about this, H-A-I-D-T. He um, is excellent on this. He's done. He's got all the data to demonstrate that since children have been on phones since, like, three, four, five years old, since that's been a thing, uh, the um, mental health issues in America have skyrocketed for teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a direct result of them being on their phones all the time. So it's also the case that you stop their brains from thinking. The Jean Twenge, Twinge, I don't know how to say her name, T-W-E-N-G-E, she's written some excellent stuff on, um, on how, what it does to the brain how your child is not going to achieve the results at school that you'd like them to achieve if you have them attached to their phone all the time. So I I keep shouting about this. People don't listen to me. They don't listen to me because they know it's such a great babysitter. They don't want to give it up, you see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly true. And uh, Catherine, you know what? It's been such a blessing to be with you today. I love just hearing from you and learning from you. And of course, like you're saying, you know, sometimes people will listen and maybe take it on, not take it on board, but it is truth and it can help. And Catherine, I want to say thank you so much for empowering us today, for challenging us, informing us today, and for actually just sharing with us how to be good parents, good teachers. It's beautiful. I've loved this conversation. And I want to say thank you so much, Catherine. And also wish you all the best for all the incredible work that you are doing around the world and that you will continue to do, and especially at Michaela. And uh, it's just been such a good time spent with you today. Thank you for, like I said, for teaching us and also for challenging us. And, you know, my hope and prayers that the parents who have been listening and the teachers and the guardians, grandparents will take on board a lot of what you've shared with us today. So thank you so much for being here, Catherine. Not at all. Thank you very much for having me. It's been such a pleasure and take care. All right then, take care. Bye-bye. Your daily companion, Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Enough said, enough said, enough said from my side. I don't think I need to add anything. You know, I just, I'm really grateful for the fact that we have incredible humans like Catherine and incredible voices that speak into these areas and say the things that sometimes parents want to say, sometimes other parents don't want to hear, or sometimes we just need to hear. And it's often that we need to hear truth, we need to hear how we are doing this. Because I often think that when we look at our children, we need to realize that, you know, we are raising 
people who are going to be adults one day. And if we don't instill proper behavior, values, duty, discipline, and the sense of who they need to be and what they need to function well in society as an adult, well, then actually we're not really accomplishing what it means to be a parent because our children will grow up to be adults just like we are today. And we want them to be able to have a good future to impact positively and purposefully the communities, the societies, the nations they live in, and even just the areas they find themselves in. We want them to be able to know that what we do in life has a cause and effect and that it is really about how we are living and how it is affecting others. We have a responsibility to steward well the lives of our children as well as how they're going to grow and how they're going to be successful in life. And it is up to us and it is up to people parents and uh, teachers as well I know when we talk about teachers that I know that teachers have a hard time and I know here in South Africa you know teachers in public schools in different areas are so overwhelmed there are so many children in classrooms there are so many problems and yes we were talking about that lack of reading for understanding we know as well we've spoken about it that it comes from you know what parents are doing at home parents are not reading to children so i encourage parents as well i know that life is very busy and it's very stressful but read to your children and don't neglect that reading read and read and even if it's a little bit at a time we know that there are lots of free organizations lots of libraries lots of different places that are making reading books available so i really encourage you to go and find those places free downloads if it must be that if that's the last resort i know we were talking about that off-screen time as well and so find a way to balance that and libraries are still lovely places i was actually at our public library just recently to you know get a new library card when i moved to a different area and i found it was just a magical experience being back in the library somewhere i haven't been in about 15 years and the books were incredible i was really astounded and so you can find lovely books there for children as well i hope that this conversation has been a blessing to you it has been to me i'm grateful to Catherine for her time because she's incredibly busy so it was such a privilege to have her with me today and really it has just been such a great time together i look forward to seeing you all next week on the show when i talk to dr sandra dalton smith and we're going to be talking about different types of rest you know it's not just one way to rest sometimes you feel more worn out after kind of a rest than you do before you even went into that state of rest we're going to talk about different ways that you can rest and that each of us are born and created differently so that we can find that way that makes sense to us and sometimes rest doesn't look like what you think it does so see you next week here on voice of change take care and god bless This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.